Good morning, listening to 88.7 FM, Radio Hofstra University, still broadcasting live from the Richard Phillip Cavalier Studio South. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Hofstra's Morning Wake-Up Call, the best edition of Hofstra's Morning Wake-Up Call, where we're talking Long Island life, national news, and international issues. I'm your producer, Danny DeGrasenzo, joined by Becca Williams. Today, we'll be discussing Kyle Rittenhouse, a $50 million sexual abuse case, and Hofstra's speech and debate team with a live Special guest, Becca, how are you doing on our first and second to last December show? Well, I can't believe it's December already. I'm look, It's like December 2nd, and it's too early for Christmas music to be playing still. Are you serious? I am serious. I don't, I feel like it's not, maybe I'm just not in a Christmas mood. Maybe I'm not in the Christmas spirit. I'm going to be a Grinch this year. Bah humbug for you. <laughs> but Danny was... Absolutely jamming to Wham. Of course. My favorite, Last Christmas is my favorite Christmas song, Sue Me. I I would if I could, honestly, (laughs) because I feel like that's a bad opinion. I'll see you in court. (laughs) Williams versus DiCrescenzo, landmark Supreme Court case, (laughs) 9-0 ruling in favor of the defendant. You're just lying. You're lining yourself up for legal failure. I don't think so. I think you are. I feel like our audience would agree, Last Christmas by Wham is not the best Christmas song. It's not the best. It's my favorite, and I'm entitled well, to my opinion according opinion. to the First Amendment, <laughs> Becca. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Danny. Yeah, 14th Amendment. Everyone's equal under, <laughs> under the law, so my opinions about Christmas songs are just as valid as yours. Well, I guess you just have bad opinions. But anyway, I still think it's I still think it's a little early for Christmas music because I don't I'm not going to be listening to Christmas music until finals are over. I'm done with the semester, and I can actually relax. I can't be stressed and studying for finals and jamming to baby it's cold outside that doesn't it doesn't compute is that your favorite one no i don't think i have a favorite one Mm. gotta (laughs) gotta pick one i don't know i don't i don't think i have a favorite christmas song i feel like they all kind of sound very similar all right interesting interesting they a lot of them do but a lot of them don't at the same time Mm. Now I feel like you're just grasping at straws here. No, I'm not. To defend your Christmas music taste. I'm not defending anything, all right? Just leave me alone. God. <laughs> um, well, we have uh, a loaded show today, and our first topic is everyone's favorite uh, 18-year-old child in America, Kyle Rittenhouse. Just kidding. He's not everyone's favorite. He's like half the country's favorite. Um and on the heels of his not guilty verdict, Kyle Rittenhouse found out he has friends in very high places, in fact, as high as Congress. The killer of two men and the wounder of a third in Kenosha, Wisconsin, last summer has received unofficial, but I would say somewhat serious offers to intern with several Republican congressmen, including, I'm going to list off these people, accused sex offender Madison Cawthorn, alleged sex trafficker Matt Gates, and the recently censored... Paul Gosar. Gosar was, in fact, so adamant, quote-unquote, about adding Kyle that he said he'd arm-wrestle Gates for the right to have him join his team. Now, name a crazier trio of congressmen. Now name a crazier potential intern for the three of them to fight over. Oh, wait, you can't. Because whatever your opinion of this verdict is, the fact is that Kyle Rittenhouse killed two people, and he wounded a third with an AR-15-style rifle in an incident where he didn't even have to be there. He showed up to this place with a gun. It's the equivalent of bringing a nuclear bomb to a war zone. And 
being hailed as a saint by the right, even its political class, I think is an absolute joke. It's an implicit, but I do really argue an explicit endorsement of white supremacy and vigilante culture. And just because he got off without a charge doesn't mean he didn't end two people's lives. The verdict is not a moral vindication. It's a judicial one. And of course, that is up for debate as well. So what do you think about this, Becca? Well, I would absolutely agree with you. It not only was him not being convicted enough of a slap in the face for the victim's families and friends and loved ones, but now he's being celebrated basically for it. And I mean, taking a look at this list of people who are vying for his internship, um, I honestly feel like that speaks enough to the kind of person he is and the people that he's attracting and the people that are on his side and agree with him. I mean, you listed what these people were accused of, and I feel like if you're already, if you're familiar with these people, uh, then you would know that, I mean, they're not very popular on many other sides other than the far right. And I think that just really speaks to who Kyle Rittenhouse has in his support wheel. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they're basically the three stooges of the house, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially Gates. And I'd, argue, I'd say especially Gosar, too, who was just censored. So this, this is these, this is the people that want you on their team yeah. like that. That should say everything you need to know. And Madison Cawthorn, he's kind of the he's kind of a low key guy. A lot of, not, not a lot of people really know who this guy is. He is actually I think he's the first or one of the first members of Congress born in the 90s. And he's a super far-right uh, kind of guy. And when he was running in 2020, he had a lot of uh, sexual assault case, uh, charges uh, alleged against him. And he kind of that kind of faded into the background, as it always does. But it's still there, mm-hmm. just like Matt Gates, whose case just sort of faded into the background, but it's still going on. And Paul Gorsar, whose censorship will surely fade into the background, but it will mm-hmm. still remain. And again, Kyle is not exactly attracting the best leadership in terms of people who want him on his team. Yeah, this just goes to show how much privilege a white man still has today in our justice system. Like, I mean, obviously everyone was already very, not everyone I should say, but about half, maybe more than half of the population was pretty angry with his not guilty verdict. And it just kind of seems like it was glossed over, um, especially right now where these people are reaching out to him. People are seeing him as like some sort of like martyr kind of where they're looking at him and saying like, oh, he he doesn't deserve to be put away in jail for what he did because they agree with him. That's the problem here is that they're using their own bias. They're agreeing with him that what he did he should not be found guilty for because of the fact that they're on the far right. Exactly. And just, and if you look at a case where, I mean, imagine if a black man was in his shoes, this would not be the same thing that was happening. Not only would he have most likely been convicted, but even if he wasn't convicted, he definitely would not have been offered internships with members of Congress. Yeah, exactly. And it go and again it goes beyond the case and it's a whole issue that people are so quick to say oh well the justice system is great mm-hmm. justice system is all 
fine and dandy. He's not guilty, so that means he did nothing wrong. Nope, nothing wrong at all. That's the worst mentality to have. He killed two people. Mm-hmm. That just be, he's never going to you can't erase those kills. Yeah. You can't. They're there forever. Just because he was not guilty and they said they couldn't find a reasonable cause to get rid of his self-defense argument doesn't mean that he didn't do it. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Think about think about the optics of this. A congre- a congressional delegation, quote unquote, of these three guys are trying to woo a a an 18-year-old, someone younger than you and I, Becca, if you can mm-hmm. believe it, we're not that young anymore. Someone <laughs> younger than us to be an intern who killed two people and is only famous because his case was made famous. Mm-hmm. Let's not act like this is the only time anything like this has ever happened. Just because, I mean, obviously it's still tragic, but there's been instances like this before in the world. But sometimes things get more attention than others and their GOP really put a focus on this kid. And I guess it paid off because now they have this guy as their celebrity figure and he gets kudos from everyone from in the Republican Party from the most basic stalwarts to President Trump. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, okay, looking at it from any point of view, I think we can all agree he brought the gun with a purpose of having it on his body. Yeah. You don't there just was, show up with a yeah, AR-15 style rifle. You put it, you took it with you purposefully in your mind you were thinking i need to bring this with me for what other reason than to use it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean this was if anything completely premeditated to use the gun because otherwise why would you need to bring it yeah i can't really argue with that (laughs) it's it's a ridiculous situation i i mean i'm personally not surprised that he was found not guilty. Yeah, me neither. I think a lot of people saw that coming. It was just disappointing to hear it in reality because just because you expect it to come, you always have like that little shred of hope that maybe it'll go a different way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I don't think anyone was surprised. I was seeing it all over social media right after uh, his verdict was announced um, and everybody on social media, obviously, that I'm friends with on social media and I was seeing like on Twitter and stuff majority of the people that were on it were complaining about the verdict yeah I didn't see many people celebrating the verdict but um, I saw a lot of people complaining about it and saying that it was unfair and as they should and it's just it's kind of ridiculous to me it seems that like a lot of our population had a different idea than the people in government of what should happen. Yeah, and clearly the people in government, the some real stand-up guys, I use that term sarcastically, <laughs> have a really great idea about Kyle or two. I just think that's just wild. Like, this is the world we live in now. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what attracts attention to politicians. He killed two people, got tried for it, was not guilty, boom. He's automatically the next rising star on the right. Yeah, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but... He doesn't have any interest. political yeah. experience. No, interests or experience. No. They just yeah. want him for the name recognition. Yeah, exactly. That's all that He's is. a celebrity. Mm-hmm. He's a celebrity they're for... they're making ki- him more of a celebrity by doing that. He's a celebrity for killing two people and being found not guilty of anything. Mm-hmm. That is jarring to me. That is jarring. Well, yeah. we're going to leave it with that. 
and we're actually going to play an interview right now. I, last week, or two weeks ago, God, two weeks ago, spoke to, <laughs> yeah, I spoke to Jill Lawrence. She's a USA Today columnist, and she wrote this great op-ed about our uh, resident favorite Wyoming Republican, Liz Cheney, about her role in the party as she is starting to test presidential waters and we did a great interview about her and her current place in the party and her future aspirations her future odds of getting reelected not only in wyoming but maybe maybe making some waves in the presidential scene and without further ado here's my interview with jill lawrence about liz cheney i'm here with jill lawrence usa today columnist and author of the art of the political deal how congress beat the odds and broke through gridlock Jill, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Danny. So today we're going to be talking about Liz Cheney. Having been ostracized by the state Republican Party, how would you rate Liz Cheney's re-election prospects in Wyoming? Well, the last poll that I know of that was done was in July, and her approval rating was at 26%, and 53% of Republicans said they would definitely vote for someone else. Uh, The former guy, President Trump, has endorsed a former supporter of Liz Cheney, so she doesn't have the Trump wing, which is not surprising. Uh, You know, the real question is whether there's any evolution in the party between now and November 2022. You know, are they still going to be dominated by Donald Trump, or will there be some separation, and will people like Liz Cheney and uh, her colleague on the January 6th investigating panel, Adam Kinzinger, will Republicans like this be vindicated? Uh, or is there just uh, continued Trump dominance right through the terms? And Representative Gosar was the latest GOP litmus test in terms of how far the Republicans would tolerate far-right extremism online. And Liz Cheney was one of just two Republicans to vote to censure him. How significant is that fact for her political career? Well, it's it's kind of part and parcel of the rest of it. It's often just her and Adam Kinzinger uh, doing their thing, which is much different than other Republicans. And uh, she is, um, you know, she does not let up. This is her political identity right now. She feels very strongly about it, and it's quite admirable. Um, I've actually, in my column, called her an indispensable woman, which is the word that the uh, historians have used for George Washington, which is not to say I agree with her on really almost anything. But, uh, you know, in this particular case, I think she and uh, a few other Republicans are doing what they think is right, no matter who approves or disapproves. And that includes not just situations like uh, Paul Gosar and his um you know, cartoon of killing a colleague online. It also includes doing things like voting for roads and bridges. And with her opposition to Trump mixed with her conservative principles, what do you believe would be an honest assessment of Cheney's positions on the political spectrum? Because recently there was a Saturday Night Live skit where they sort of poked fun at her refusal to kind of fit into a clean box in terms of if she's a Republican or a Democrat. Well, she is a Republican in all of her positions. She's one of the most conservative members of Congress. And I I think the Saturday Night Live skit was um, really funny just in that, you know, she insists she's a Republican, uh, but her her colleagues in Wyoming have kicked her out of the party, essentially. And so she is a woman without a party right now. And, uh, you know, there are people who are edging in her direction. There are people who want 
the party to move on from Trump's insistence that he won the 2020 election. Uh, um, Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, just basically told the Senate, you're a club I don't want to belong to, uh, that he was one of their best recruits for uh, for next year to run for the Senate, and he's not going to do it. He's going to stay as governor, and he had a lot to say about moving on and about, uh, you know, kind of where his party has gotten into a rut in Washington. So there may be some space for people like them. And New Hampshire is an early primary state where she made a very strong speech about Republicans being willing hostages to a dangerous man. And, uh, you know, they have an early primary that she could compete in and they like Mavericks. So, but the party would have to move quite a bit away from Trump before she'd have a real shot. Now, with her political future on the line in Wyoming, why do you think Cheney is testing presidential waters? Well, um, she would probably say she wasn't, but when you go to New Hampshire, you know, this is the kind of thing that happens, especially when you have a national reputation like she's developed and uh, because of her family lineage and also because of the role she's playing now in Washington. And I, I wouldn't say she's exactly hedging her bets. And I think, you know, it would be who of her to try to get reelected in Wyoming. And I know she is. Her positions are very consistent with, with where Wyoming Republicans are on the spectrum, very conservative and li- almost libertarian. Uh, so, you know, it's um, – I think if she's doing a t- two-track consciously or unconsciously, that's probably the best way for her to go try to make it in Wyoming where, you know, she certainly is in sync philosophically. And uh, if that doesn't work, you know, maybe there's another uh, forum for her to um, represent this part of the party, which is extremely fact-based and constitution-based and, you know, very principled. Are there any other additional thoughts you would like to add about Cheney's developing political saga right now? Well, it's never a bad thing when you make it onto Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think that's probably my one additional thought. All right. Well, thank you so much. That was Joe Lawrence, USA Today columnist and author of The Art of the Political Deal, How Congress Beat the Odds and Broke Through Good Luck. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Danny. Hofstra's Morning Wake-Up Call. Morning Wake-Up Call. And we are back. Special thanks to Joe Lawrence for that interview. In fact, her brother went to Hofstra. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. She's got Hofstra blood. Of course. Maybe that's why she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm just kidding. But we have a, another bombshell story before we get to our live interview. And this happened in my hometown, in fact. I know. I was really surprised when you sent me that. Yeah. My hometown of odds? Middletown. Oh, see, here's the thing. It's like my hometown, but it's not. Because I live in a specific section of Middletown, New Jersey called Lincroft. How big is Middletown? It's kind of big. But okay. it's the population is declining because our birth rate's in the toilet. But um, <laughs> Unnecessary details. Well, that's what, they, that's what the superintendent of our schools always said when he talked to us <laughs> about why we can't build another school. Um, hometown of Middletown, New Jersey. Well, not really because I live in Lincroft, but whatever. A former teacher at my middle school has been named in a $50 million sex abuse lawsuit. A man now in his 40s alleges that the teacher, Sherry Diodato, initiated an improper sexual relationship with him when he was 13 and she was 32. And I'd paraphrase the allegations, but out of respect, I'll read a little bit from this article that was published in my local paper. A lot of this, it goes on for a long time. They would start in class. She would uh, 
touch him in different areas of his body, made gestures and comments, called him quote-unquote special, eventually evolved into him going to her house. And, of course, that eventually evolved into a sexual relationship, sexual intercourse. And then by high school, he actually started – he actually outgrew the relationship entirely and started seeing girls his own age. But it was – near the end of his eighth grade year that the teacher Diodato would say she wanted to adopt him while their sexual relationship was ongoing. And she would even take him to her fiance's softball games or to dinner with her fiance at the time and his biological daughter to encourage him to be a part of their family. And the man is seeking $50 million in damages from the Middletown school district. And Diodato has never been criminally charged before. And this is, this comes as part of a law in New Jersey where cases like this can be brought up decades after they happen. Mm-hmm. I think the cutoff in New Jersey is, yeah, 55. Uh, sex abuse lawsuits to be brought decades after alleged sex abuse occurred. Victims of alleged childhood sex abuse now have until they are 55 to file these types of civil lawsuits. Previously, the maximum age was 20. So because of that law change in 2019 in the Garden State, this happened this was able to be brought to light well mm-hmm. beck i want to get your reactions to this well i was reading over this entire article and on patch.com that's danny's uh, local paper so if anybody wants to check out the article that's um the website that's on patch.com um i was reading it and it was honestly very disturbing because the way that he was being groomed and the way that she was approaching the situation with his parents his parents were encouraging him to spend time with her which makes the situation even more difficult when you're a confused child who's being groomed by someone who has authority over you and your parents are unknowingly encouraging the situation because they were under the guise that it was tutoring and they thought that he was being that she was being helpful to him with his grades and academic uh, pursuits so I mean, I, I can't imagine how hard it was for him to come out after all of these years and uh, try to get the justice that he deserves. So, I'm, I mean, I always think it's good to speak out about these kinds of things, even though it is hard, because now maybe that is going to inspire a kid who is maybe in New Jersey in school right now and sees the story and relates to it and then is more so willing to come out about another kind of situation. And I feel like just this in the media talking about it could help prevent it from happening to someone else. Yeah, and for me, I knew this teacher. I didn't have her, but I knew her. To think Mm -hmm. that I was in the same building with her for three years, it just makes my skin crawl. And my friend actually did have her, but it was like, you know, you never would have guessed i want to say like it wasn't obvious or anything i think it's just fortunate that new jersey now lets these suits be brought forward decades later so they can get proper examination and as a community member it really i don't know it just kind of it, it bums me out and makes me sad and i just hope that justice can be served but to help explain this to give his own take i enlisted the help of a fellow Middletown resident and my lifelong best friend brendan yasik who generously woke up early to talk about this very serious matter with us this morning. Brendan, you're on the air. How are you, man? Doing good. How are you, Dan? 
I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. So what are your reactions to this case, Brendan? I think that it was a real shock to the community. I think everybody sort of had the same consensus reaction. That was with just general shock and dismay. And that we especially, because we all, like Dan was saying a few minutes ago, we all went to school in the same building. We were in the same building there with her for three years. We have close personal friends who had her as a teacher who are even more uncomfortable than we were. Yeah. It, just, what's up, man? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, no. Yeah. It's, it's kind of scary to just think about that. We were around her for so long. And I guess my other question for you would be, what do you think we as a Middletown community need to do going forward to make sure that this never happens again? I think that the main thing that we could do moving forward to ensure the safety of all students and that events similar to these never happen again is just making sure that we crack down on being stable and being secure as a community and maybe possibly being a little stricter in the hiring process. No. Yeah, I definitely agree, um, especially with the fact that you can bring you can bring cases like this decades in advance i think it'll help inspire people who maybe like as becca was saying earlier p kids who might be confused be going through it now or people who went through it and they are still a little scared to share their story they'll be confident to bring it forward do you have any closing thoughts for us brendan i think the interesting thing to note is that we haven't seen any results from the case yet so you don't want to speak as though these things are guaranteed things that happen, I believe at the time they're still, I believe right now they're still allegations, right? Yes, correct. I think it, it's interesting to note that, and we'll, we'll see where this goes and what happens from this. She's never been criminally charged before. She retired a few years ago. And I think everybody from us in our hometown are just waiting to see what's going to happen. Absolutely. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Feel free to go back to bed and get some sleep. <laughs> Will do. All right. So that was my best mate, Brendan Yasik, talking about the sex abuse case in our community. That is, I wouldn't say it's, I mean, it, when it came out, it was a shock, but the yeah, shock waves have dissipated a little bit because life moves pretty fast in Middletown, New Jersey. Um, it does. It, not in a good way. Um, but moving away from two topics that are a little morose to discuss, we now have a live special guest. Becca, do you want to introduce them? Yes, we are so, so excited to have Professor Boston Hill from the Speech and Debate program at Hofstra. We're going to talk all about speech and debate, which we actually have a wonderful member of Morning Wake Up Call as a part of that, Blaze, who has uh, been by my side for a long time. So we're very excited that he was able to help us set up this interview with Professor Boston Hill. Professor, how are you this morning? I am doing wonderful this morning. <laughs> how are you all doing? I'm doing great. Wonderful. Excellent, excellent. Well, I have heard wonderful things about Speech and Debate Team from Blaze, and I was wondering if you could tell us about some of the recent competitions and events that you guys have participated in, because I've heard that it's been somewhat successful. Yes, we have actually had a – let me first start off by saying that I know this is actually my first year as in charge of the Hofstra forensics team. Um, 
And don't get confused because a lot of people hear forensics and they're like, wait a minute, that doesn't have to do with medicine? <laughs> like you're dealing with dead bodies or anything? No, not not medical forensics. It's But forensics, the technical term, is actually um, dealing with speech and debate. So as part of the Hofstra Forensics Team speech and debate team, uh, it has been around for a long time. I've actually am an alum of the Hofstra speech and debate team. Uh, I was a, a, co a captain when, when I actually attended school here. But as the coach this year, we do try to get to as many tournaments as we possibly can. Uh, because of COVID, everything has moved to a virtual. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing a lot of tournaments online uh, where basically the competitors will either be on a Zoom call and they'll compete that way or they'll videotape themselves ahead of time and, and send that video in to be judged. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, though, this weekend we're actually having an in-person tournament. I think the first one for for this school year, and uh, we, we're really excited about it. Where half of the tournament is going to be over at I don't know if I can say this on on Hofstra Radio, but half the tournament is going to be at Nassau Community College on Saturday, and then Sunday we're going to be hosting the second half of the Off Broadway tournament right here on our campus. Yeah, Blaze mentioned that Off Broadway tournament. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes, well, what we're going to we call it off Broadway for obvious reasons because we're of our proximity to Broadway, and figured that's going to be our theme for the weekend. So every uh, limited preparation event that we do is going to have some type of Broadway theme to it. And when I say limited prep, those are your impromptu and your extemporaneous speaking events. We also have uh, the public address events, which are your persuasive speaking and your informative speaking, where you choose a topic of your choice and you try to, again, persuade people why they should think that it's important or you inform somebody of some new development that's been taking place in our world. Mm -hmm. uh, then you also have the, the interpretive reading events, which are your prose and poetry uh, the program Oral Interp, which is you're combining a lot of different genres together and you're talking on a theme of, of, sor of sorts. So there are a lot of fun events, and usually those interpretive events, we get a lot of drama majors who want to who partake in that because it's basically just a step below acting. And uh, your public speaking people go for the, uh, the public address and the limited prep events. Uh, so, But we have a great time. Then, then of course, there's debate. So we have the, uh, the debate side of it as well, and we're looking to have a pretty strong showing in that this weekend. Wow. So a wide variety of different things are going yes. on. <laughs> so I'm interested in your experience, particularly coming from a member of the team and now overseeing it. Could you talk about what your favorite parts were as a member of the team and then how that changed when you started to oversee? Was it kind of the same things or are there new things that are your favorite parts now? The as a team member, my favorite parts were the travel. Mm -hmm. Because again, anybody who's part of a team, you know what that's like. You, you're traveling with your, with your team members and you're cutting it up on the bus on the way there. Then when you get there, the interaction you have with the other competitors from other schools. So I think that was probably the, the best part of the, the experience. I mean, of course, I love winning trophies as well. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but the, I think that was probably the best part. And then now as I transition into the coaching realm, it's um, it's teaching those students the same thing and letting them see, letting them develop their own experiences and uh, just being their guide through this whole process. 
It sounds pretty pretty exciting. How can students get involved with Speech and Debate? Well, they can always find me. Uh, they can email me directly. Uh, it's uh, kevin.e.bostonhill at hofstra.edu. Or they can uh, come back down to, the, to our office, which is in Mason Hall. 112 Mason is the Speech and Debate Room. My office is 116 Mason. And they can just find us there and uh, check and check us out. They want to uh, come down for uh, just a quick conversation or to find out more about what we do. Is there anything about the members of the team that you are especially proud of or anything that has stuck out to you in recent competitions that you were just like really blown away by? You know, I think the the thing that I enjoy most about uh, the members is their willingness to support each other and how quickly they support each other, whether they've been veterans or even some of our new people. They're, the veterans have been very quick to embrace the new people coming on, even people who were kind of on the fence about joining or not. Mm-hmm. Once they were involved with the veterans, they said, it became no question at that point that they just they had to be part of it. So I think it's just the the natural camaraderie that's been developed. And is there any other extraneous thoughts you'd like to add about the team, maybe their future plans, something you're looking forward to this this academic year? Well, we're looking to going into the spring semester anyway, we're looking to become much more um, in person. Hopefully, even with this whole Omicron variant that's that's present, we're hoping that we can still remain or go into a more of an in-person type of setting, especially since we're looking, we're really looking forward to going to Mexico City at the uh, end of the the, the spring semester. Ooh. So, hopefully, things, fingers crossed, things will stay open for us so that we can actually take that trip. But if not, we'll we'll make do. Mexico City, that's a big trip. Is this this is all funded through Hofstra, right? Correct. Okay, Correct. that's good. That's good. What are you guys going to be doing in Mexico City? Is there there's like a big tournament there, or you're going? For... It's yeah. It's a it's basically the uh, like an international tournament. So all of the that's like the culminating activity. So at, throughout the course of the year, if you if you liken it to a regular sports team like mm-hmm. our soccer team, for instance, they go through the year going through different competitions through different events. And then they earn points towards that, I guess, the, the conference championship. So that's what this trip to Mexico City would be like. After the, go, going through a whole year of competing, the, those competitors who have earned enough trophies and points will be invited to go to Mexico City to compete. Oh, wow. So that's like a really big deal. Yes. So exciting. Yeah. And that's teams from all over, not just the world, but America, too, would go. So you would would you represent the Northeast or you would just go as... As Hofstra. We, we go as Hofstra. Ooh, and okay. just be, be one of X amount of schools that are invited there, yes. Wow. Very illustrious. Yes, definitely. And it's a great, <laughs> great experience. Great experience. In the past, I know the team has gone to Germany. Um, there's talks about in the in the future about going, perhaps going to Japan, uh, maybe Ireland. So there's wow. a lot of international travel involved, not just the 50 states. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add about the speech and debate or the forensics team here at Hofstra? <laughs> well, again, if anyone is interested, and again, it's not just for theater majors. It's not just for uh, people thinking about going into law school. Any major that wants to be a part of it can come down and take a look because public speaking is something that's necessary no matter what profession you go into. 
So if you're interested in, in any aspect of the Forensics or Speech and Debate League, please give me a call or send me an email and we'll hook things up. Well, Professor Boston Hill, thank you so much for coming in live in studio to talk to us today. It was a pleasure. Oh, pleasure is all mine. I, I'm willing to come back anytime to talk about speech and debate. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Well, Beck and I are going to take a quick break. But when we return, a new segment on Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call. I can see Becca's already beaming with excitement. We'll be back after these short messages. Long Island's largest radio news team brings you the Associated Press award-winning program, Newsline. Weekdays at 5.30 p.m. Exclusively on WRHU-FM and WRHU.org Radio Hofstra University. Go beyond the track with Music Biz Buzz. Welcome to Music Biz Buzz. <laughs> your source. Your, your, your source for the latest in the music industry. Straight from the pros. Start with the clap. You never know what's next for music and for broadcasting. Figure out what works, what doesn't work. Put in a full effort. Give the best opportunity for the artists and the music to succeed. Katie Egan hosts Music Biz Buzz. New episodes Wednesdays at 4 p.m. On 88.7 FM. Radio Offshore University. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hofstra's Morning Wake-Up Call. Morning Wake-Up Call. And we are back again. Again, Professor Boston Hill was so kind to come and join us live in studio for an interview. I haven't done a lot of those since my t- since I got here, Becca. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But well, yeah, we've been in COVID times. Yeah, I don't I don't know what a, I really don't know what a live studio interview feels like. I don't really know what talking without a mask feels like. Yeah, Think well, about, we are wearing masks. I know. We are, no, yeah, that's why I said it. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, I don't really know what that feels like. I don't know if we ever will again know what it feels like to speak without a mask on don't be so bleak i'm not being bleak i'm being honest you're being very bleak it's one variation after the other can we have hope can we please have hope you said yourself (laughs) you you can have hope you said yourself you know you always hope you have a little sliver of it you know to i feel like my sliver has been crushed out come on (laughs) have a little optimism Yeah, yeah i'm tired people uh, people listening might not know this, but the beginning of this year, back in January, actually everything that we were doing for this show was completely remote. We weren't even in studio yeah. at all. We were doing all of this over Zoom, uh, pre-recording an hour of show, and then editing it, and then putting it on air remotely. Man. And it was awful, and it was a mess. And I'm glad we're back in studio now, and we're able to do wonderful live interviews, like with Professor Boston Hill, who was just on recently. Exactly. Um, so that is definitely a, a little bit of progress, I guess, Yeah, that's being made. But, I mean, we're still having the same old issues over and Deja over Deja vu all over again, mm-hmm. as Yogi Berra would say. Or, as Lil Wayne said, glass half full or gla- glass half empty, I'll still spill you. <laughs> get it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I do get it. Mine's so sharp, I'll cut my head open. That's the that's another line from that song. Six foot, seven foot. Yes, I'm love me some Wayne. With the song. Wayne's still top five in the world. 
Um, was Lil Wayne on your Spotify rap? No, actually. Why don't you I... share your Spotify rap with us, Danny? I would love to know. All right, well, you got to share too. Danny was making fun of me earlier because he was calling me basic because... I wasn't... There's nothing wrong with being basic. If you're basic, it's okay. Like, it's not a crime. Listen, I'm not saying that there is, but I'm just saying that I don't think listening to Harry Styles makes you basic because everyone in the world listen to, listens to Harry Styles. And everybody isn't basic. All right. You Harry hear... Styles is just a very popular artist. Don't look at me and tell me that you don't listen to Harry Styles. I don't listen to Harry Styles. I don't believe you. Well, believe me because it's true. All right. My top artists, Nico Collins, Baby Rexa, Love Baby, Travis Scott, Ava Max, and Alec Benjamin. And my top songs, four of them are Nico Collins songs. <laughs> Hate Me, Borderline, Happy, On Accident. And Baby Rexa comes in at fifth. Sacrifice. I listened to tw for twenty two thousand nine and ninety five minutes. I was in the top zero point one percent of Nico Collins listeners. My top genre was dance pop, and I'm trying to think of one. Oh, I'm trying to think of one other thing. Well, all I know is that the all of you who listen to WR2 religiously know that Emma Gart comes in after us to do her off the charts and she showed me Alec Benjamin and I was hooked with him and I showed her Nico Collins and she was hooked with him. So I don't know who any of these people are. Wow. All right. So share with us, Becca, <laughs> you know, way to just really knock me down a couple of pegs. Okay. Well, my top artist is Harry Styles, obviously. And that's because I spent almost 600 minutes listening to his cover of Girl Crush which I don't know if you've heard that cover, but it's so good and it fits every single mood that you could be in. It works when you're sad and it works when you're happy. There's never a bad time to listen to this cover. And if you haven't heard it, it's it's really good and it's on Spotify and you should listen to it. Well, I spent almost 600 minutes listening to that, just that song alone. So that's why Harry Styles is my top artist. And then I have Amy Winehouse. Don't know who that is. You don't know who Amy Winehouse is? No. Danny, you need to be cultured. And then I have Mac Miller, Tyler the Creator, and Black Bear. I know. I love Black Bear, actually. So there, we have something in common. Okay. Well, you're welcome. And then my songs, my top song, which Danny also made fun of me for this, is a Matchbox 20 song. <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing. I'm you're laughing even laughing you're at laughing it. You're laughing at me. It's She's So Mean by Matchbox 20. It's a really good song, and I will not be shamed for it. And then my second song was Rex Orange County. They're pretty popular. And then my third song, Mountain Goats, No No Children, great song. Fourth song, Frank Ocean, Ivy, love him, amazing. Fifth song, Silk Sonic, Leave the Door Open. Never Silk heard of Sonic. any of those Silk songs. Silk Sonic is a group with Bruno Mars, Anderson Pock. They performed at the Grammys. They just released some new songs uh, and they're really good. Everyone should listen to them. I think they have like four songs out right now, maybe three. Leave the Door Open was the first song they released, so that's why it's in my top because they only had one song out. What was I supposed to do? I had to listen to it over and over again, obviously. Okay. Because I love them. All right. And my top genre was pop rap, but my second one was dance pop. Yeah, mine was... My... So me and Danny are, were in the same genre. Same genre. Same musical mood, perhaps. <laughs> Wildly different artist selections. Well, I don't. I've never listened to the people that you listen. And I never so listened to the people you listen to. So I feel like that's not true. I feel like you have. I haven't. Parallel lines do not intersect. But I feel like my people were more popular than yours. Oh, oh so it's a contest now. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I'm saying you probably. So you heard. are basic. You just no. admitted you're basic. I'm saying that you've probably heard of my songs more so than I have. I actually yours. really haven't. And I can't believe you haven't never listened to Amy Winehouse before. I haven't. You know the song Rehab by Amy Winehouse? No. Danny. We're going to play Amy Winehouse on the next show. No, we're not. Yes, we are. Not as long as I am producer of this Thursday, of these <laughs> Thursday morning shows. Well, you won't be for much longer because next week is our last show before we take our holiday break. Yeah, I know. Crazy. And then we'll have to wait till January for another show. Yeah, it's all right. In which case, I will no longer be the director. So sad. <sighs> Tears are running down my face as we speak. They're definitely not. Daddy's actually smiling at the <laughs> idea of this. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about me or about Danny. <laughs> but he's he's ready for me to leave. I'm really not. It's going to be an <laughs> emotional weight that is going to fall upon my back. But to ignore that emotional weight, I thought it'd be a good idea one of our last shows that each instead of talking about a story in the news we each give a personal story a story time if you will <laughs> and becca is very nervous i'm not nervous i just am not a good storyteller well good thing i'm a good storyteller so i will carry this segment okay i can't wait so when i was in high school mm -hmm. i wrote for the school paper and one thing we did in early december was we did a contest uh, to see which Christmas movie kids at our high school liked the most. And we sent it out as a Google form, and it was sponsored by the paper. We wrote about it. It was my pet project. I had the idea. And we got votes. We got a lot of votes, actually. And by a lot of votes, I mean out of a school around 1,300 kids, we only got 200. And that wasn't enough. We wanted to make a good amount. Listen to me. Okay. We wanted it to. We wanted it to look like we actually had, you know, broad support. Mm -hmm. So I went in and I added, you know, like twenty votes. That's so unethical. And then, and then no, listen unethical to me. Unethical journalism. Listen to me. And then I'm like, all right, let's like let's like forty more. Next thing you know, I'm adding hundreds of votes. Oh my god. People Danny. were still voting, and you can vo and I, we let it. So you well, the thing is, you could vote as many times as you want. So. It wasn't, it was more of just like, you know, how passionate are you about this movie instead of what's your clear cut favorite? So then, long story short, I add a couple hundred votes. You're stuffing the ballot box. Pe I know. People were still voting. That's election fraud. People were still voting here and there, but like, I'd say about 95% of the votes were mine. But the <laughs> way I did it, the way I did it was I looked at the number, I looked at the current rankings. This is why I this is why I have a little bit of integrity. I looked at the current rankings and I saw that Elf was number one. Nightmare Before Christmas is like two. No, not Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, one of the Santa Claus movies was number two, whatever. So I gave I, I gave my extra votes in proportion to where they ranked. So if Elf had 30% of the votes, it got 30% of my additional votes. And I kept doing that so it remained consistent. So basically where the polls stood. Frozen at about Frozen, another holiday movie. Stood frozen at like December fifteenth or whatever, mid month. I proportionally raised it, so I made it look bigger. 
I basically made I gave it the illusion of looking bigger instead of changing the results. So you lied. Yes. So <laughs> on the day, so I went on the morning announcements the last couple days before school and go, and the winner out of over 700 votes, that's more than half of our student body put in votes for this contest. The You're winner is Elf. And people were so, you know, passionate about it. And we even had a movie night where we screened Elf in our high school theater. And I just felt so proud <laughs> that I was able to do that and spearhead that program. Am I a liar? Yes. Am I a dirty liar? No. <laughs> because I lied to maintain the truth. I hope that someone from your high school hears this and replies. Oh, they know. You. I we were it was a whole conspiracy. Don't worry, they knew I was doing it. Oh, not every goodness. not the people, like the fellow staff on the newspaper the media you can't trust them you can't you can't trust see it's it's ironic because it's not the mainstream media it's the local media that's that's who you gotta watch out for yeah you gotta watch out for the christmas movie voting yep because danny is lying to everyone and the funny thing about that this is my senior year by the way and the funny thing was the the last article i wrote for that paper was a was an April Fool's article about how the, the end of the world would would occur in May. But I wrote it in March. Guess what happened early March? COVID. Wow. I was I was 2 days off from the killing of George Floyd in my article, which is macabre to think about. Isn't that crazy? You're like a psychic. I am a psychic. Well, okay. If we're sharing high school stories. stories. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I was also on my newspaper Ooh. in high school. I was actually in charge of my newspaper, not to <gasps> brag or anything. but um, And my junior year, I was assigned a Halloween story where I was supposed to go to this haunted house that was supposed to be like the worst haunted house in the area, like the scariest one. And I was supposed to go and go through the haunted house and then write about it. Mm -hmm. And I, if you don't know me, am absolutely terrified of everything. And <laughs> I've never been to a haunted house before. And I never have since this moment. Oh so my I went God. with I went with two of my friends and one of my friends' grand grandpa. <laughs> he drove us. <laughs> and we all went to this haunted house. I'm hiding myself up in line. I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be totally fine. Like they're all actors, it's whatever. We go into the first room. I stop at the door and I'm like, I can't go inside. I'm not going in, like, sorry, I can't do it. And so everybody goes through the room and leaves me there at the door. Oh no. And the actors are like, you have to go inside. Like there's no other way to get out. We can't let you back out through the entrance. You have to go through the whole thing. So I have to walk into this room alone. So obviously everybody in the room is now attacking me because I'm the only person in there and it was a room full of clowns and I have one clown in my face and one behind me and they're like screaming in my face so I drop down to the floor and oh, no. I start having like a full panic attack I'm like sobbing on the floor and they have to stop the haunted house to <laughs> escort me out of the haunted house and I have to oh sit outside on the steps waiting for my friends to go through the entire haunted house 
But thankfully, my friend's grandpa did come outside and wait with me. And he was comforting me as I was sobbing <laughs> from oh. embarrassment and also <laughs> just terror. Dare I ask how old you were when this happened? I was a junior in high school. You were 17? I was 16. 16? Yeah. Oh, my God. And I don't have any shame about that. I've never been to a haunted house since, and I never will. <laughs> that was... That is so That was funny. one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. That's hilarious. It's not hilarious. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm I just sharing my traumatic it. experiences with, with you all since this is, like I said, one of our last shows. I got to let you guys in a little bit. You got to be vulnerable. Yeah. That was... Wow. <laughs> I always, I didn't know you. I could I, I could kind of tell you were like a little bit of a scaredy cat. Of a what? Scaredy of cat. Of what? I'm not a scaredy cat. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> with a, guys, with a straight face, she said that. With a straight face. Listen, I don't know. Have you even ever been to a haunted house before? I have. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of get scared too. Yeah. It's but scary. But never to that level. Like, okay. I always survive. Well, I have I have no shame in what I did. I would do it again a hundred times. You I would tap out. I don't care. <laughs> you would do it again. Yeah, you and then my friends told me that the rest of the haunted house was so much worse than that. So I'm glad so, that I did well, it. I mean, yeah, because you got scared at the very beginning. Yeah, so I'm glad that, that was I the left. warm up. They were like, we had to crawl through a tiny little hole in the wall to get out of one room and into the other. And there was someone like chasing them through the tiny hole. Mm. That sounds awful to me. <laughs> Why would I want to do that? I don't. It's all about the thrill. So I'm glad that I that I didn't do it. I did feel bad though because I had to I had to pay for a ticket and my friend's grandpa paid for all of our tickets. And then <sighs> I misused it. And I still wrote my article about it. And what'd you write? I lied. You said it was scary? I good? pretended like I went through the whole thing. I asked my friends. They were also on the paper, so they helped me with it. But I was like, mm. guys, tell me what happened in the haunted house. So you... I had to do my assignment. You lied. So you lied. <laughs> <laughs> we wrote it together. I cited them but on it. But you lied. Listen, you made it appear as if you did it, too. Well, at the time, I was very embarrassed that I couldn't get through the haunted house. But now I'm not embarrassed anymore. I'll own that. <laughs> Well, all the power to you. <laughs> what a story. I mean, <laughs> my my mouth hurts because I'm just too busy laughing and smiling. Well, I'm glad that my pain amuses you so much, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> He's really getting a kick out of this Because I'm just one. picturing you on the floor sobbing. And there are I'm these so two glad clowns, that that is making you laugh. And there are these two clowns they were in front of you and behind of you just screaming at you. They were yelling in my like, face. That's a picture. That's just a funny scene. I don't know. The the word, the <laughs> when, when they had to stop the haunted house to let me out, uh, they somebody went out into the hall. We went out into the hall and they called down one of the other actors and they were like, hey, come down here. And the actor started walking down like all scary like. And then they were like, no, no, seriously, like you have to come here. And then they <laughs> went out of character oh. and they walked over you to me. You forced them out of character. <laughs> yeah, I probably messed up their whole night. Mm, you really disrupted their rhythm. This well, was a fun, this was fun. I want to do this again next week. More story <laughs> I don't times. know if I, I don't know if I want to share another story with you now, Danny. Please. Please. <laughs> Look, you know I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm going to react how I feel. I'm not going to hide my feelings. It was a, it was a good story. Hey, you called me a liar to my face, and I, I own that. 
I own the fact that I was a dirty okay, well, I was a liar. Your story was all about you lying. Okay. Sometimes you have to lie. You ever see a liar liar with Jim Carrey? No. Never? No. That's one of his better movies. I've never heard of it. Alrighty then. You get that reference? I've heard people make that reference. Yeah, it's Jim Carrey. Well, watch Liar Liar. It's very funny. He can't lie. And he says a lot of weird and messed up things to people. Maybe I will. A lot of stuff I can never say on air, but it's Jim Carrey for you. (laughs) Ace Venture is good too. Have you ever seen that one? No, I haven't. Laces in. You don't get that reference. Um, how dare you? You should watch Jim Carrey movies, like uh, The Grinch. You said you were a Grinch. Oh, tie into the beginning. You said you were a Grinch. He played the Grinch. Uh, yeah, I like the Grinch. Yeah, but the, I feel like that's probably his best character. No. <laughs> All right. Well, before we argue about Jim Carrey too much, that's the show. Thanks again <laughs> to <laughs> Becca. I'm Danny. Thank you to our two live guests today, and in the words of Drake. Make sure the Young Money ship is never sinking. We will see you again next week for our last show of the semester. How sad. We will see you next week.